Hello, this is Sean Dixon, and I'm here with Brian Patterson and John Gonzalez. We are each returned mission presidents for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and this is the Preach My Gospel Mission Prep Podcast. We are here to help prepare you to become successful Preach My Gospel missionaries and lifelong disciples of Jesus Christ. In each episode, we explore powerful concepts from every chapter in Preach My Gospel. We will talk to return missionaries and others about their experiences and insights. You can even use this podcast to get institute credit. Let's get started. Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Preach My Gospel Mission Prep Podcast. We're so glad to welcome you back today uh, for a study today of chapter four in Preach My Gospel, which is how do I recognize and understand the Spirit? Talk about an important topic. This is this is one we've had circled for a while. And I think, uh, uh, Sean, many missionaries struggle with trying to understand recognizing the Spirit, and there's a lot of misunderstanding. So I'm excited about our visitors today, and I'm excited about the discussion we'll have today. Yeah, in order to really understand this, we brought in some big guns, right? We, we brought in some, <laughs> some fairly recently returned missionaries that are going to help us as we walk through this. I think it's so great on a subject like understanding how to recognize and understand the Spirit to have some young adults who are in the, in the middle of, of just recently returned from missions, the middle of this big transition in your life, uh, receiving uh, revelation and being guided by the Spirit is so, so important. So our guests today are Ian Giddens. Um, mm. And Ian is actually one of um, uh, uh, Brian Patterson's missionaries, right? Do you want to yes. introduce Ian? Do oh, I no. want to introduce Ian? Oh, no. <laughs> Ian is just this... Uh, Ray of sunshine. Can you picture her walking down the streets of Long Beach, <laughs> smiling, people wondering, who is that girl? They've seen oh these elders goodness. out there with white shirts for years, and then here comes Ian Giddens. I loved right? it. I loved and, it so uh, much. She was, a, she was a joy to serve with, a great disciple of Jesus Christ. Her companions loved her. They would beg to be her companion. That's not true. 100% true. <laughs> Ian, where are you? F- oh. Ian, yeah. where are you from? I'm from Orem, Utah. Born and raised born, in Orem. Well, born uh, in Provo, raised in Orem. Wonderful. Loved it very much. My mom's from California, so it was fun to go back to the homeland. That's great. It. Anything it's else great. you just want to tell us by way of introduction, Ian, that would help us to get to know you better? Oh, what about me? I love the gospel very much, and I converted on my mission. I like to tell people that. But I also, I go to UVU. I study psychology. I love children. And I work at elementary school. And we'll see what the Lord does with me. I'm just excited for life, honestly. That's great. We also have with us Tanner Linton, who's also a student here at UVU. And, and both Ian and Tanner have been on our um, Utah Valley Institute Student Council. So we've had a chance to really get to know them well through that. But Tanner, tell us a little bit about yourself. I served in Spokane, Washington from 2017 to 2019. And I loved it so much. I grew up here in Utah. Um, I, let's see, I served a mission right after high school and it's been about three years now. So sometimes it feels like a long time, but I hope, I hope I'm still fresh in it, still learning these things, still living these things. Yeah. T- uh, t- one thing I can tell you about Tanner, I wasn't there on the mission to, to brag about him. Like, like president Patterson was just bragging about Ian, but I've seen him here at the Institute and whenever Tanner comes to class, he always brings four or five friends with him. He's always looking for 
people that he can continue to bring unto Christ. And it's just the hallmark of, of his, his personality. It's just like, it seems to be in your DNA that you're constantly looking how you can lift other people. So we're really excited to get both of your insights as we begin today. I think it's a little overwhelming for a young person to think about the magnitude of their calling. Mm. I'm going out to, to serve as a full-time missionary. I'm <clears throat> representing Jesus Christ. And I, I know for myself and a lot of other people, you feel like, I'm not going to know what to say. Mm. I'm not going to know what to do. I, I'm not qualified. And that would all be true if it weren't for this idea that, that it's really not about you, that literally missionaries are instruments in the hands of God. They have access to the grace of Jesus Christ. They have access to the ministering of angels and especially to the gift of the Holy Ghost. So as we begin here today, um, let's just talk about for a minute why the Holy Ghost is such an important part of missionary work. Every missionary receives a companion, and some companions you just love. This companion's going to be the, the best man at your wedding or your maid of honor, <laughs> right? And then you'll receive companions you still love, right? <laughs> that, that's about the extent of it. Uh, Elder Holland talked about one companion, however, that is the most impactful companion you'll ever have on your mission. Uh, here's what he says about that companion. He says, as with all new missionaries in the field, you are about to be given a carefully selected, wonderfully experienced, chosen by heaven, senior companion, your trainer, if you will, who is the best in the business. He co-authored, in a sense, the premortal version of Preach My Gospel. Furthermore, he is never going to be transferred. You get to work with him for all 18 to 24 months. Any guesses of who this companion is? <laughs> the Holy Ghost. That's right. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Give that girl a prize. <laughs> Elder Holland went on to say that every missionary twosome should be a threesome. And that third companion should always be the Holy Ghost. I've heard him refer to it as the divine companion. That's right. Ooh. That's right. And that's exciting. The prospects of that idea of learning to work with this carefully selected powerful companion. Uh, as you look at Preach My Gospel on the cover page, uh, it refers to preach my, the title of this missionary guide as Preach My Gospel. But then there's this little scripture right below it. Do you, do you, can you see the scripture below it that takes us to Doctrine and Covenants section 50 verse 14? Can we go and, and just look at these two verses together? In fact, let's start one verse prior to that in verse 13. Uh, maybe Tanner, if you could read that for us. And as Tanner reads these two verses, we might look for the, the more complete title of Preach My Gospel. Wherefore, I, the Lord, ask you this question. Unto what were ye ordained? To preach my gospel by the Spirit, even the Comforter which was sent forth to teach the truth. So we see the, the abbreviated title, Preach My Gospel, but what's the more complete title? By the Spirit. Or preach my gospel by the Spirit. What would you say is the difference between preach, the word preach, and the word teach? Because in the scriptures, we never see the word teach my gospel. We always see preach my gospel. Who does the teaching? Mm, I like that thought. The Spirit does the teaching. Mm -hmm. So what are we being asked to do when we're being asked to preach 
Now we use those terms interchangeably, and I don't mm-hmm. think they're you know anybody's wrong because we use that all the time. But I like to just make that distinction. It's the spirit who's responsible for teaching. Preaching is to proclaim or make known to deliver. So we're delivering the message, and the Spirit is teaching. So a missionary would, would want to open the Scriptures. A missionary would want to ask inspired questions. A missionary would want to teach doctrine. A missionary would want to bear testimony, all with the hope and the intent that the Holy Ghost could be the teacher, right? Let's jump down and, and look at, since we're in this section, section 50, let's look at verses 17 and 18. Ian, do you want to read that? Sure. It says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that is ordained of me and sent forth to preach the word of truth by the Comforter in the Spirit of Truth, doth he preach it by the Spirit of Truth or some other way? And if it be by some other way, it is not of God. So what, what can we learn about preaching or teaching by the Spirit from these verses? It makes me think of a line on page 103 under relying on the spirit that says, as the Lord's servant, you are to do his work in his way and by his power. Some of my favorite days and favorite lessons were the ones where we were incredibly led by the spirit. So I love that verse, President. It's a powerful statement, however. Verse 18, and if it be by some other way, it is not of God. Sometimes missionaries will try to rely on themselves to teach and be impressive as opposed to doing it in the Lord's way because that's a powerful statement. If it's done by some other way, it's not of God. So a missionary can even be saying the right things, but if it's through some other motive or method, it won't be spirit-led. It won't be spiritual. It won't be of God. Yeah, I love how as we transition into verse 19, we there's really two parts, or maybe we could say three parts. There's there's the preacher or the te- the the missionary who's going to be declaring truth. But then in verse 19 it talks about the role of the learner, which is here it's called the receiver. He that receiveth the word of God, doth he receive it by the spirit of truth or some other way? If it be some other way, it is not of God. So a missionary can be teaching by the Spirit, but if the person he's teaching, the friend he's teaching or she's teaching, isn't receiving it by the Spirit, there won't be any sparks. There won't be be any power. Um, it's kind of, I like to think of this like flint and steel. You can get a piece of flint and just push it as fast as you can in the air, and if it's not rubbing against steel, there are no sparks. So you need the teacher, which is, is like the flint and the receiver receiving it by the Spirit, and you put those two things together, and that's when the sparks start to happen. And so one of the roles of a missionary in teaching by the Spirit is to prepare um, the, the friend that they're teaching to also learn by the Spirit, help them to be in the proper mode. Mm. Uh, maybe the way that we, we establish reverence in the room turning off TVs, helping them to look for certain things, um, have the, the right kind of perspective. As we train them to, to receive by the Spirit, and as we preach by the Spirit, sparks will happen and the Holy Ghost will come in and really start to do the teaching. Yeah, Three things that come to my mind are preparing for them, praying about them, 
and asking the right questions. And I think also you will be able to feel and understand the person you're teaching. Are they truly interested in learning? Are they, are they taking the discussion in an attempt to receive further light knowledge, if you will, or are they combative? I, I just, you know, I want to prove you wrong. Or I'm, I have no interest, but I just am curious intellectually. And so they have to be in the mode to receive by the Spirit, you know, the, the mysteries of heaven, because mysteries only come through the Spirit. And so they won't be able to, to receive knowledge from on high unless they're receiving it by the Spirit. Tanner and I, and how do you know when you've taught a lesson and it's been by the Spirit. You have moments in companionship study where you role-play. And I love role-playing. I stand by it forever. And you get confidence and you gain teaching skills that way. But I love when you apply what you've practiced in comp study to the actual lesson. You go according to plan, but then something changes. Something different comes to mind or something switches in the verses that you want to share. Those are the moments where I think, oh, the Spirit is here. And he is now teaching. The principles that come to my mind are asking them the right questions because it has to be them going through that process in their mind, not just you telling them, not just speaking at them. They have to figure it out for themselves. So you have to ask the right questions. And the other thing is sometimes it can be kind of scary. Like we can be a little bit intimidated to do like kind of a interesting lesson or something that's like not just step by step, mm. but action is what's so important. So lessons that come to my mind are lessons where we paused in the middle of the lesson when we were asking the right questions. We figured out, I don't really know how to connect to God. I don't know how to pray. And we knelt down on the kitchen floor and we practiced praying together. And then we and then we were able to teach a little bit more about the restoration. Your invitation at the end, that's another really important action. And I think if they are willing to commit, that is a step of faith. And if they if they're sincere and and their step of faith and action will bring the spirit. In verse 22, wherefore he that preacheth and he that receiveth understand one another, and both are edified and rejoice together. That's almost what I hear you, you two saying, is like both the, per, the person, the missionaries and the people being taught, like we understand each other clearly, and we are edified. The, the word edify, the root of that is edificar, which means to build. We're built like we've grown from the experience we've been we've been strengthened by the spirit and when that happens i love it you just rejoice together you it's what you walk out of that lesson and you're mm -hmm. just you're giving each other five and and you just it's when you ask them can we come back and they're like of course like we want you back because we love how we felt and what we learned we, we were edified by the experience that we had together and, and that's there's nothing i don't i can't think of anything much more fun than teaching a lesson where, where it was really the spirit that was, was doing the teaching. One thing that you mentioned triggered a thought in me. When we teach by the spirit, we need to make sure we are listening to what the other person is saying mm. and, and process that. <laughs> I remember being with two missionaries, and they had planned and prepared to teach the lesson on the plan of salvation as the first lesson because they had learned through uh, the neighbor that the person had lost 
a family member. And it was very appropriate for them to prepare that lesson. And I was with them when we sat down. And the first thing out of this man's mouth was, I don't understand why there are so many churches in the world. And I remember the two missionaries saying, we will get to that, but we have this lesson that we would like to share with you today. But they weren't listening mm-hmm. to what he was saying. They were caught up in what they had planned and prepared and ready to deliver. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe they felt uncomfortable you know, switching their plan. But listen to what the other person is saying because the Spirit can speak to you through their words. Oh, I'm so passionate about this. <laughs> I love this so much. And I'm going to cheat. I'm going to skip ahead to chapter 10 and preach my gospel, but I think it's so relevant. And there's a quote by Jeffrey R. Holland. He says, more important than speaking is listening. These people are not lifeless objects disguised as a baptismal statistic. They are children of God, our brothers and sisters, and they need what we have. Be genuine. Reach out sincerely. Ask these friends what matters most to them. What do they cherish and what do they hold dear? And then listen. If the setting is right, you might ask what their fears are, what they yearn for, or what they feel is missing in our lives. And here's an important part that I think highlights teaching by the Spirit. I promise you that something in what they say will always highlight a truth of the gospel about which you can bear testimony and about which you can then offer more. If we listen with love, we won't need to wonder what to say. It will be given to us by the Spirit and by our friends. The steps I got from that, and I actually love, I have this part sectioned off and I've studied it so much. This is the exact formula Alma uses with uh, King Lamoni. But the four steps are ask questions, listen, bear testimony, and teach doctrine. And if you do those two first, if you're asking questions by the Spirit and sincerely that are to their needs, to their understanding, and then you listen with love, you'll be able to bear testimony and, and the Spirit will be there. And you then on the fourth step, that's when you're teaching doctrine. That's it. Doesn't you don't just come in and teach doctrine. You teach doctrine when they've thought about it. Mm-hmm. They have mm-hmm. thought about their questions of the soul. Maybe they didn't even know they had, and then they've heard your testimony, your experience, and then they're ready to hear the doctrine. For listeners, just as a visual, Tanner was almost ready to just leap out of his chair because <laughs> 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 this is how the gospel gets you. Once you just lose yourself in the work, it is a beautiful, exciting thing. I just wanted you to. Try and visualize <laughs> what happened. Yeah, Elder, Elder Bednar, Tanner, he said something very much like Elder Holland. He said, teaching is not talking and telling. It's observing, listening, and then discerning what you need to say. Yes. And I think that's a pretty high-level skill that hopefully we can grow into. But but you underscored something that I think it's, it's at the heart of teaching by the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And being able to have the, the gift of discernment is really mm-hmm. one of the things that God wants to give you. Yeah. He really wants to give you discernment so that you can teach yes. what you need to say and in the way that you need to say it. I'm glad you said that. I was just going to stop you and highlight that you said the word discernment, and that's mm-hmm. a spiritual gift you can work for and pray for, yeah. and the Lord will help you understand the things that they're not saying. It's more than a skill. It's a, it's a gift from heaven. Yeah. It is. I remember walking out of a lesson with two missionaries, and uh, the two missionaries, obviously nervous, their mission president was there, and and uh, but they, they asked for some feedback, and, and their question was, President, how did we do? And I said, elders, it doesn't matter how you did. 
Did you see evidence that they were receiving you? Did you see evidence that the people were receiving the message? Did you see evidence that the person was repenting? Uh, Your question of how do we know if we've been teaching by the Spirit? Well, we'll likely see evidence in those we're teaching that they're changing and that they're, they're accepting or they're changing or they're repenting or they're willing to act and that's really what we want to be looking for. That's the observing. That's the discerning. And then we can know what to teach. Brian, you remind me, missionaries need to focus on their purpose. Yeah. And rather than ask, how did we do, be listening and be asking these questions, was there evidence that their faith in Jesus Christ and his atonement increased? Was there evidence that they are making changes to repent? Were there evidence that they are preparing to make a covenant through baptism? Is there evidence that they are receiving the Spirit? Is there evidence that they can endure to the end? Mm -hmm. So just to restate what you said, in the context of our missionary purpose, was there evidence that our purpose is is being manifest. And so as a missionary, if I'm, if I'm in that setting, right, and it, I'm not seeing that evidence, i got to change what I'm doing, right? I've got to take a different approach. And it's possible that a missionary can be doing everything right. They can be identifying important scriptures, teaching true doctrine, bearing testimony, asking really thoughtful questions. And it's possible that they're preaching by the Spirit but that the person's not receiving it by the Spirit. And missionaries beat themselves up because sometimes mm. I'm not good enough, I must not be worthy, I'm not a very inspired teacher because the person is not receiving the message. Mm. And, and that's not true. They could be doing everything right by the Spirit and the person doesn't receive it by the Spirit. Conversion requires, as we read in section 50, both the preacher and the receiver receiving it, teaching and receiving it by the Spirit. What we've been talking about so far is really the power of the Spirit in conversion. Um, Somebody being converted to Jesus Christ. And on page 98 of Preach My Gospel, just invite the listeners to walk through. There's some some great quotes in there, some great ideas. One of them I think is that's really important to highlight is one by President Boyd K. Packer where he explains the central role of the Spirit in conversion. You may see that right there on um, page 98. He says this, When conversion takes place, it is through the power of the Spirit. In order to succeed in missionary work, these three things must occur. We must understand what a person must feel in order to receive conversion. We must understand how a missionary must feel in order to teach with the converting power of the Spirit. And we must understand, uh, and then we must understand how a member must feel to succeed in participating in the conversion experience. Tanner, I love. I was just going to come back here myself. That first step, if I am just speaking to everybody who's getting ready, getting ready to go on a mission, something I love that I hear Ian say all the time. Sometimes she'll ask someone who has been a member of the church their whole life. She'll say, "Are you a convert?" And sometimes they're confused and she said, well, I'm a convert. What's what's your conversion story? I love that. <laughs> We're all converts. So maybe that question didn't make a lot of sense to you is like, what does a person you're teaching need to feel in order to, to receive conversion? What have you felt? And if you're still in your process of conversion, work on that. 
yeah. become converted. Take those steps and and be in that experience. What is your experience? Either think of that or go experience it yourself. That is necessary. And then um, understanding what a missionary must feel. I think that is an important part of that. Remember that experience. I think it's similar. If you also don't understand that, read the scriptures. Mm-hmm. There's so many. You can see what the missionaries are feeling. Yeah, And that's important because during every lesson, it's important you bear testimony. Because through your testimony, that's when the Spirit's going to show up and, and hopefully you know, fill their bosom with fire. And they'll feel that if you have been converted yourself. And so that's the missionary's role. Wherever you go, you're trying to create an environment where mm-hmm. the Spirit can be felt. If you're with members, you want to f- create an environment where the members can feel the Spirit because if the members are filled with the Spirit, they get excited about doing missionary work themselves. And it's like the missionaries walk in the home and everybody leaves on fire because mm-hmm. the Holy Ghost was there. Um, when you're in teaching a lesson to a friend, you, your goal, your role is to create an environment where the Holy Ghost can be present because without the Holy Ghost, nothing can happen in missionary work. Preach My Gospel gives a couple ideas. Your role is be edified and have your mind enlightened as you search the scriptures and teach the doctrine. Mm -hmm. Create a climate when you teach in which the Holy Ghost can bear witness. You do this by teaching and testifying of the message of the restoration. Teach as directed by the Spirit. And testify that you know by the power of the Holy Ghost that which you teach is true. And then follow the guidance of the Spirit in adapting the message to each person's needs. Then the last bullet point, which is so, so important in teaching by the Spirit, invite people to act. Mm -hmm. When the Holy Ghost is present, that's when you give an invitation. Sometimes I think... I think, oh, it's you wait till the very end of the lesson and then you you give all these invitations. But when the Holy Ghost is present, your role is to extend an invitation for them to act because when they act upon the Spirit, that's when they begin to build faith in Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. right? Inviting them to act and commitments are so crucial. That's where it starts. And that is what makes the lesson. You can teach a good lesson, but it, that's not what missionary work is about. Missionary work is about helping them become converted. So what is the result? What is, what's their experience? What's happening? And that comes down to what are you inviting them to do and how are you helping them to change and come closer to Christ? And the second, I hope everyone's in their books looking at this, the second bullet point highlights so many of the points we've been talking about. Teaching as directed by the Spirit and you're creating a climate for them to feel the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an important question to ask as you're teaching, like how can I create a climate for them to feel the spirit. And that can look like so many different things. The door's open for that. Sometimes that's teaching in parks. I know I insane to people I did. in parks on the mission. Don't know if that was okay, but I <laughs> <laughs> and And I know it talks about like turning off the TV so it can be as simple as that, a good lesson plan. And then be willing to follow the spirit. No lesson should be the same. And be willing to, to be in that experience with them. Like I said, some of my favorite lessons I remember kneeling on the kitchen floor, kneeling on someone's front porch and praying with them. Follow the Spirit in, in your actions and be willing to have an interesting lesson. Like no lesson should be the same. We'll get into this in, in depth when we uh, study the chapter on teaching. But in my mm-hmm. mind, the two most important aspects of teaching and while we have an entire chapter, which is all wonderful, number one, you have to be teaching by the Spirit. Mm -hmm. Because if you're not teaching by the Spirit, you're not teaching. Mm -hmm. 
And number two, you have to invite people to act. Mm -hmm. If you don't invite people to act, in my mind, you're not really teaching. Mm -hmm. You're giving a spiritual message, a nice thought. But teaching implies inviting the listener to act. And so for me, those are the two most important aspects of teaching. Teaching by the Spirit and inviting the listener to act. And on page 99, I think we get the core of teaching. And it says, as people choose to keep commitments from those invitations you were talking about, they will feel the power of the Holy Ghost more strongly and will develop the faith to obey Christ. Thus, you should help the people you work with grow in faith by inviting them to repent and to make and keep commitments. It's what they do with us to feel the influence of the Holy Ghost, receive that invitation, but it's often what they do once we've left. Mm-hmm. As they act, those, those in, those, the people that we're teaching that progress and become converted act when we're not there. And so that, that role of inviting and helping that we've talked a lot about in this, in this podcast is so crucial and core to what we do as missionaries. We have to invite, and then we have to help them keep those commitments so that conversion can really take place. And we'll talk about this in Chapter 11 a lot, but then there's the, the way that we follow up isn't just, did you read? It could be, tell me about what you experienced as you read the Book of Mormon, how did you feel inside? What did you learn from that? And then you start to see evidence of the Holy Ghost, and you can help them then identify it based on the way they describe their own experience rather than telling them, right now you're feeling the Holy Ghost. Tell me about your experience as they describe it, then you can identify that for them so that, oh, that's what the Holy Ghost is. Or even ask questions that help them identify yes. it. Where do you think those feelings are coming from? Exactly. Or why do you think you're, you're, you're thinking the way you are, yeah. right? And they can begin to identify that. There's something that I keep hearing, and Tanner, you started it, and then it went to John, and then it went to Sean, and you kept saying, well, when we get to chapter 10, we'll talk more about this. Or when we get to chapter 11, we'll talk more about this. And when we get to chapter 5, the Book of Mormon, we'll talk more about Tanner this. Tanner even said he was cheating by doing that. <laughs> Are we understanding that it's the Spirit that matters in all of this, right? Whether it's in how we use the Book of Mormon, how we find, how we teach, how we plan, how we study. It's the Spirit that matters. That is is the key to missionary work. We've got to be under the influence of the Holy Ghost. That's why this chapter is so crucial in everything we do as a missionary. And, you know, I think we, we take for granted that we know what the various aspects of the Holy Ghost are, different terms and things like that. But there's a lot of people that really don't know the difference. They may say, why do I need the gift of the Holy Ghost? We're just talking about being in a lesson and, the person we're teaching is filling the Holy Ghost, and that's how they became converted. So what's the difference between that and then this thing that you receive after you're baptized called the gift of the Holy Ghost? So there's a part there at the beginning of chapter 4 that really helps define these various aspects of the Holy Ghost that you listeners will be really wise to go through and study and make sure that you understand so that you can effectively help others to understand. Um, does anyone want to highlight or underscore anything 
uh, in this portion of, of Preach My Gospel to just help us understand the difference. And maybe we can start off with, what's the difference between a friend we're teaching filling the power of the Holy Ghost and then receiving the actual gift of the Holy Ghost? On page 96, it helps us understand the light of Christ and the, a person is capable of receiving spiritual guidance before being baptized and confirmed, and it begins with the light of Christ, which, quote, is given to every man that he may know good from evil, end of quote. Everyone has the light of Christ to feel what is right and what is wrong. I think in all cultures, there's a sense of people understanding when you're kind, people understanding when something's not fair. All, all culture transcends everything. That's the light of Christ. And I think the word that sticks out to me is, is the word influence. It talks. It gives you this great definition as you keep reading, John. The light of Christ is just what the words imply. Enlightenment, knowledge, and an uplifting, ennobling, persevering influence that comes upon mankind because of Jesus Christ. It's why I can watch a movie or watch a YouTube little clip. It has nothing to do with God. It has nothing to do with Jesus. It has nothing to do with the gospel. And I, I feel things. Because it's light and it's goodness. I even can get teary-eyed and embarrassed by that. And it's not so much the Holy Ghost, but rather it's goodness. It's the influence that comes from Jesus Christ that can touch us in certain ways as you're watching a movie, right? Or as you're, as you're doing, you know, sensing something that's, that's in the world. But I, so I think the light of Christ plays a really big role what President Packer says in, in that same section, it is important for a missionary to know that the Holy Ghost can work yeah. through the light of Christ. A teacher of gospel truths is not planning something foreign or even new into an adult or a child. Rather, the missionary or teacher is making contact with the Spirit of Christ already there. Mm-hmm. That's why I think there's such power in having influence of the Holy Ghost with you so that you have the confidence to just open your mouth because you'll never know what you might say that might make contact with that light of Christ with someone. So the question would be, well, if I have the light of Christ, why do I need, if, if I know that this is good or I'm influenced and I feel good because I saw that movie or I feel bad, I have this light of Christ in me, why do I need a baptism? Why do I need to be confirmed so I can have a gift of the Holy Ghost. This light of Christ, it sounds like it's the same and I can lead my life uh, without being baptized into your church. Mm-hmm. What would you respond to that individual? So you can have it all the time. <laughs> I would always use analogies as I taught and I would say, do you want a bite of the cake or do you just want me to give you the whole thing? Mm-hmm. There's such life to be had when you have the Holy Ghost with you. It's such a night and day difference. Well, and I like to also say, one is having a third member of the Godhead with you, mm-hmm. as opposed to this influence that you can sense something is is good or bad. One is having a, the third member of the Godhead with you at all times. So we get these little subheadings under the Holy Ghost on page ninety six and ninety seven. There's the personage of the Holy Ghost, 
There's the power of the Holy Ghost. There's the gift of the Holy Ghost. There's the Holy Spirit of promise. And there's the gifts of the Spirit. So how does this work with those that we're teaching? Uh, as we as we look at these different subheadings that all fall under the Holy Ghost, how does that work with somebody that we're teaching? What can they experience? How long can they experience it? What can't they have? The missionary can come into their home because he has or she has the companionship of the Holy Ghost. That influence is there. They can be taught. They can be tutored. They can feel. But when the missionary leaves, the Holy Ghost leaves. That's what I was going to say. I, I heard a lot of times, um, it was about me or other missionaries, different things like, oh, we, I, I really feel the spirit when you come, or I, I feel good when you come. Uh, some people didn't know what it was. Sometimes it was members that would say that. Um, like, I, I feel the spirit when you're here. And then, and they always like to have us there. And I, and I would say it's the light of Christ that allows them to recognize that. Yeah. But it's not, it's not them having and it's not that the power of the Holy Ghost is only attached to missionaries because when they're reading their scriptures at night, they can still feel the power of the Holy Ghost. Right. They haven't been given it yet, mm-hmm. but there's just there's just this extra thing when it is your constant companion versus just feeling the power that's that's hard to describe. And often they associate it with missionaries coming and going because they can see that the missionaries have it constantly, right? And this is probably why a missionary shouldn't overstay his welcome. You know, at the end of a really powerful experience with the investigator, an invitation is extended, a closing prayer is given, the missionaries probably ought to be up and out. So there can be a distinction. When the missionary lingers in the home and and maybe becomes a little casual in the home, we lose the power and that distinction isn't so clear. It would be wonderful for those that were teaching to feel this surge of, of, of the influence or the power of the Holy Ghost when someone who has the gift of the Holy Ghost walks into their home, right? And then have that leave. And, and I think they can begin to recognize that difference as you were talking about, Tanner. And I like the quote of Joseph Smith on page 97. There is a difference between the Holy Ghost and the gift of the Holy Ghost. Cornelius received the Holy Ghost before he was baptized, which was the convincing power of God unto him of the truth of the gospel. But he could not receive the gift of the Holy Ghost until after he was baptized. Had he not taken this sign or ordinance upon him, the Holy Ghost, which convinced him of the truth of God, would have left him. So let's, let's conclude uh, this episode by just offering a word of caution. Preach My Gospel does that on page 105. Sometimes things with the Holy Ghost can be misunderstood, can be manipulated, and so forth. And so just a couple things that are there. Brian, what, what would you highlight out of that section as a caution that stood out to you that we should be aware of? Yeah, it says on page 105, as you pray for inspiration, you should also confirm your feelings, compare your decisions with the scriptures and the teachings of the living prophets. I like to draw a box, and and a box has four sides. And on one side, you have the scriptures, and that becomes a boundary, right? 
And the other side, you have the handbooks for a missionary. It might be the general handbook or preach my gospel or the, the standards for, for missionaries. Uh, on the other side, it might have your mission president. And then uh, the last side might be the first presidency or the 12. And I would want to take everything and compare it, keep it inside of that box. I'm not going to get revelation that takes me out of that box, that contradicts any of those four sides. Now, within that box, there's a lot of space. And this I can follow the direction of the Spirit within that space, within that box. I can be creative. I can do all kinds of things. I just won't receive revelation that contradicts those four major areas. Really good. That's a great word of caution. The other thing that strikes me there, also on page 105, that third paragraph, revelation and spiritual experiences are sacred. Mm -hmm. They should be kept private and discussed only in appropriate situations. Sometimes we hear of experiences, and then we may have one, and we want to share them as well. And, And I've heard experiences where I've felt uncomfortable, and those are experiences that are best kept privately or shared in the appropriate time. There are spiritual experiences that I've had that only my wife is aware of. And and it would be inappropriate to share it outside of that context because it was it's special to us. Anything else, Tanner and Ian, by way of caution that st- stands out to you? Yeah, there? I see the part that talks about how we should be cautious not to point out, oh, you're feeling spirit because you're crying or you're feeling spirit because of this. Um, everyone feels the spirit differently and uniquely. That's one of the beautiful things about the Holy Ghost. So we should be careful to say, oh, so you're crying. So that's what's going on. Yeah. I think a lot of times we associate filling the spirit with tears because that's how it flows for, for some people, but not for everybody. <laughs> so in the most recent general conference, October of 2022, Elder Renlund gave a talk called A Framework for Personal Revelation that I would invite all the listeners to go read. I think it goes a lot along with what Brian just talked about with the box. He gives kind of a framework or some parameters that Revelation works within. I think that would be a wise thing to, to go and, and study. So, And, and here's just a, a quick clip from that, that talk that will be helpful. A second element of the framework is that we receive personal revelation only within our purview and not within the prerogative of others. In other words, we take off and land in our appointed runway. The importance of well-defined runways was learned early in the history of the Restoration. Hiram Page, one of the eight witnesses to the Book of Mormon, claimed to be receiving revelations for the entire Church. Several members were deceived and wrongly influenced. In response, the Lord revealed that no one shall be appointed to receive commandments and revelations in this church, excepting my servant Joseph Smith, until I shall appoint another in his stead. Doctrine, commandments, and revelations for the church are the prerogative of the living prophet who receives them from the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the prophet's runway. A third element of the framework is that personal revelation will be in harmony with the commandments of God 
and the covenants we've made with Him. Consider a prayer that goes something like this. Heavenly Father, church services are boring. May I worship Thee on the Sabbath in the mountains or on the beach. May I be excused from going to church and partaking of the sacrament, but still have the promised blessings of keeping the Sabbath day holy. In response to such a prayer, we can anticipate God's response. My child, I've already revealed my will regarding the Sabbath day. So what Elder Renlin is saying is personal revelation for us as missionaries is only within the purview to where we've been assigned. So I'm assigned with a companion in a certain area, assigned to a certain ward. The revelation that we receive is only within that purview, assigned to that area with that companion. If I'm thinking that someone across the mission should be doing something or should be going and following up on something, that doesn't follow this pattern. Elder Renan also says that personal revelation must be within the framework of whether it's in harmony with what the commandments of God say or in the context of the mission, what our mission leaders have told us. And if it's not in harmony with what we've been directed by our mission president, our mission leaders, then we've got to be cautious of feeling that that's revelation. Well, there is so much to talk about. We, we can't cover it all in one episode. And so we'll, we'll come back and really focus more on the next episode about how to receive personal revelation and learning the language of the Spirit. But is there anything, Tanner or Ryan, that you want to say as we conclude this episode that, that you didn't get a chance to talk about with regard to, to the Holy Ghost? I'm very grateful that my mission was what it was because of him. And I'm grateful for all the time it took to uh, to know the Holy Ghost, and it's worth it. It's worth it. We talked about lots of different things today, but I can promise to any listener, to any missionary preparing, that as you deepen your personal conversion and as you gain a testimony of Jesus Christ, the Holy Ghost will be with you, and you'll know exactly what to do and where to go and what to say, and everything will be okay because, as Tanner said, this is his work, and how glorious that he involves us in it. Thank you both. What, what powerful testimonies. And I must say that those testimonies definitely show up in, in the way you, you live your lives. And we just appreciate your examples and that you would take time helping us uh, today with, with the podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Preach My Gospel Mission Prep Podcast and that it helps you in your study of Preach My Gospel and preparing you for your mission. Please join us for our next episode. And if you feel this podcast might be helpful to others preparing to serve a mission, please invite them to join us on our journey through and discovery of Preach My Gospel. For more information on how to get institute credit for this podcast and other offerings by the Utah Valley Institute of Religion, please visit utahvalleyinstitute.com. You may also find us on Instagram at Preach My Gospel Podcast. Feel free to send questions or comments to Preach My Gospel Podcast at gmail.com. The Preach My Gospel Mission Prep podcast is produced with the permission of the Utah Valley Institute of Religion. The hosts are expressing their personal views based on their own experiences, applying the principles of Preach My Gospel, 
and accept full responsibility for the content in these podcast episodes.